0: Hey everybody, thank you, I appreciate you joining us on this chilly Sunday, whether you're doing that in person at one of our campuses or huddled up on the couch with a blanket at home or on vacation, if you're watching online, I'm just glad you're here wherever here happens to be for you today. And if you'll take out your message notes, you'll see we are in week two of this series we're calling Stress Giving. This series of messages in which we're exploring practical ways to lower the stress, stress the giving, and get a little more thankful this holiday season. We're trying to get a head start on this stress giving time of year to help turn it to become a more thanksgiving time of year year and our our theme verse that's guiding us in this series are these words from King David in Psalm 119. I love this verse. Look at what David writes. As pressure and stress bear down on me. And that's certainly a reality this time of year. But notice what he says I find joy in your commands. Do you catch that? Do you understand what he's saying? That stress relief is not gonna be found in the latest self-help book. It's not gonna come from a better time management app on your phone. It's not gonna come from a new prescription from your doctor. It's gonna come from the promises and principles of God's word. And so that's what we're doing. We're digging down into these truths from God's word to discover some practical ways to change the pressure and stress to a season of joy. Last week, we talked about how to do that with the people in your life, the relational tension and stress that's always a part of the holiday season. Now, today, we're going to talk about another stress-giving aspect of the holidays, and that is holiday gift-giving. Or maybe I shouldn't say gift-giving, but gift-giving. Buying because it's not the giving of the gifts that's stressful, it's the figuring out the gifts to get the right gift or how you're going to pay for all the gifts that you're going to give. And that's true every year, but I think the pressure is even more intense this year between inflation, the the financial insecurity that many of us are dealing with, and on top of that, we got the whole supply chain issue to deal with, right? That they're telling us, they're warning us every week, you better buy your Christmas presents early because they might not be available if you wait till Black Friday. And man, are people following that instruction. In fact, all the way back mid-October, Right middle of October, Terry and I were in Greenville, my hometown, and we had a couple of hours to kill on a Saturday. And so we decided to go into one of our favorite stores, a Marshall's Home Goods store. You know what I'm talking about? It's like clothing, bed, it's got all, it's a cool place and we love to go there. Well, this particular Saturday, October now, we go into Marshall's and I'm telling you it was packed like Black Friday. I mean, there were people everywhere. The checkout line literally looked like a line going to a ride at Disney World. It was weaved back and forth all the way through the store. And I was like, what is going on? I asked one of the ladies at work there, I'm like, what is going on? Is it always like this on the weekend? And she said, it is this year. People are buying their gifts early. And, and I think that's a great thing, but it's a little discouraging for me, because in the past, I could avoid going anywhere near stores on Black Friday, but now it looks like every weekend's gonna be Black Friday between now and Thanksgiving. And so I got to thinking about that and thinking about the holidays this year, and it caused me to think maybe, just maybe, the change we need to make is not just shopping earlier, but this year maybe shopping differently to take advantage of all that we've been through to kind of rethink the way we buy gifts at Christmas by remembering why we buy gifts at Christmas. Do you know why exchanging gifts is a part of the Christmas tradition? Do Do you know where that comes from? It's not because 200 years ago, a man named Nicholas passed out toys to underprivileged children in his community. It's because 2,000 years ago, the God of the universe gave the greatest gift ever. And so if our giving of gifts to each other is to be a celebration and a reminder of God's gift to us, I'm pretty sure it's gonna take more than just the latest gadget, the newest fad, or the hottest toy. And so I'm convinced that if we really wanna stress the giving this year, then we're gonna have to learn how to give great gifts. And I don't mean great gifts by how much they cost, I'm talking about great gifts because they are a reflection of God's great gift to us. And so to help us do that, even though it's only mid-November, we're actually going to look at the Christmas story today. But we're not going to look at it from Matthew and Luke's gospel, which is traditionally where we read about Jesus' birth. We're going to actually look at the Christmas story from John's gospel. Now, a lot of people think, well, I've never read about Jesus' birth in John's gospel. And you're right. We read about it in Matthew and Luke because they tell... The story of Jesus' birth in narrative form. Matthew and Luke's gospels, where we get all the information about the angels and the Virgin Mary and Bethlehem and the manger and the shepherds, all they tell that narrative of Jesus' birth story. What John does is use poetic language to tell the story of Jesus' birth from the heart of the story. Notice what he writes, the very beginning of John's gospel. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now, Paul's right there. John uses the word, word for Jesus. He calls Jesus the word. It's the Greek word logos, means truth. And that, that's the word John used to describe Jesus. And I think he does that because he wants us to understand the eternal nature of Jesus and the divine nature of Jesus. Because notice he says, in the beginning, where have you heard that statement before? right, the book of Genesis. In the beginning, the word was with God. He wants us to understand that Jesus didn't show up in the universe that first Christmas morning in a manger, that Jesus is eternal. He has always been. But he also wants us to understand the divine nature of Jesus. Not only has Jesus always been with God, but he says Jesus was God. And then notice what he says in verse 14. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. See, God didn't FedEx that first Christmas gift. He became that first Christmas gift. He left the beauty and perfection of heaven to enter the messy brokenness of our world and of our lives it's what theologians call the incarnation. Paul, the apostle Paul describes it as an indescribable gift to us. And I believe if, if we're willing to take some time to unwrap God's gift to us that first Christmas, it will give us some practical ways to give better gifts to each other this Christmas. And I believe that is the key to truly stress the giving this year without stressing out the giver. Three things you gotta do to give great gifts this year. Number one, give practical gifts. Give practical gifts. You might remember a couple of weeks ago in our Be the Church series, we talked about Jesus serving the disciples by washing their feet. And Jesus did that, yes, as an expression of his love for them, but it was also about meeting a practical need for them. He washed their feet because their feet were dirty. He met that practical need. And we can do that same thing that with the gifts we give each other this Christmas. We can meet real needs because that's what God's gift did to us. Notice these familiar words from John chapter three. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it but to save the world through him. You understand? The birth of Jesus not only expressed God's love for us, it met our deepest need, the need for redemption, the need for a rescue to be saved from our sin and brokenness in this life. Reminds me of that old saying I heard from a preacher years ago. He said, if our greatest need had been financial, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been knowledge, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. But our greatest need was for forgiveness. And so God sent us a savior. Jesus was born in a manger so that he could die on a cross to meet our most basic and practical need. And if our giving is gonna be a reflection of that gift, then we have to give gifts to each other that meet practical needs needs. Now I have to be honest with you. When I hear about giving practical gifts at Christmas, I flash back to my childhood. You remember last week t- me telling you that my parents were, grew up in the depression and so they were very frugal with money. They were very cautious with money. And one of the things my parents did every Christmas they leveraged Santa Claus to provide socks and underwear for us, their children. Every year we got a pack of socks and a pack of underwear with Christmas. And I remember as a child going stupid socks, stupid underwear, where's the toys? But guess what Terry and I did every Christmas when our kids were little. Socks, and in fact, we still do that today now that they're adults. But, but I'm thinking bigger than just giving practical gifts to our families. I'm thinking about meeting the practical needs of the people around us and people around the world. In fact, Jesus said that the best way for us to show our love to him and to reflect his love to others is to meet the practical needs of the people around us. Because see, one day Jesus was telling a parable to say to his disciples that they had shown their love for him because when he was hungry, they fed him. When he was naked, they clothed him. When he was homeless, they provided shelter. When he was sick and in prison, they came and visited him and it confused the disciples. They said, Lord, when did we see you hungry? We never fed you. We never saw you naked. We never saw you in prison or sick. And do you remember Jesus' response? He said, whenever you've done this to the least of these, you are doing that for me. That's how we meet practical needs. And there's so many ways to do that in and through being a part of the Cedar Creek Church family. You can do that globally by simply packing an Operation Christmas Child shoebox and providing practical needs for children around the world. You can do that by sponsoring a child through Project Christmas Kids at your campus and meeting some practical needs of children in our community. That's why throughout the month of December, we take up a very special Christmas water offering. We do this every year. And 100% of those funds donated go to provide clean, safe drinking water for people around the world. That's the most basic practical need physically that human beings have. And yet so many don't have it. Did you know that there are 785 million people on this planet who do not have access to clean, safe drinking water? Listen, that's one in nine people on this planet. One in nine. And every year, 4,500 children die for lack of clean drinking water. Think about that. Think about, that's a pandemic pandemic. Almost 5,000 kids die every year from intestinal diseases that would not exist if they just simply had what we take for granted when we turn on the faucet every day. And $10, listen to this, $10 will provide clean, safe drinking water to one individual for an entire year. I can't think of a better way to stress the giving and reflect God's love by meeting that basic practical need. Give practical gifts. Another way to give practical gifts is just be intentional about where you buy your gifts from, right? You're gonna spend money this Christmas. Why not spend it with organizations, companies, and businesses that reflect the same values that you do? It's like the J.G. Wentworth commercial. It's your money, spend it where you want to. You know, it's amazing. We're so blessed in our communities. You can do that with local businesses. There are some amazing local businesses that are owned by committed Christ followers. I'm not talking about Christians in name only who put a fish sticker on their store to increase, you know, their business. I'm talking about men and women who own businesses and see those businesses as a way they can impact the kingdom. They think of their business as an extension of their ministry as a Christ follower. You can spend your money in those places and meet practical needs for things like employment to people in our community. You can do that with national corporations as well. Do you ever think about the values of the big box stores and companies you spend your money with? Do you ever investigate to see do their values align with yours? Because there are some amazing companies that, that have some incredible values as a company. You, you can do that. There's all kinds of, hey, here's a great idea. This is so cool. You can meet an incredible practical need of a group of women in South Asia by simply ordering a gift from a website from one of our local peace partners. It's called Swally. The name of the company is Swally and they make incredible women's clothes and accessories. Guys, this is a cool way to give your wife something really nice and meet a practical need because the women who make these dresses, they've been rescued out of human trafficking in South Asia and these jobs allow them to make a living wage so they don't have to go back to the vulnerability that led them into sex slaves and other kinds of slavery because they got income. In fact, all you have to do, this is so simple, just go to their website, swally.com, swally.com, S-W-A-H-L-E-E.com, you can see those products, you can order them, they'll be shipped here, and you can know not only are you buying a really cool gift, but you're meeting a practical need of somebody Around the world. There's all kinds of ways to give practically. Here's what I'm asking us to do. This year, before we get all sucked into the holiday chaos, just slow down and be intentional about what you give to help it line up with the why behind your gifts. You gotta give practical gifts. A second way to give great gifts, give relational gifts. Give relational gifts. Give gifts that build and foster the relationships with the people in your life. Because God's gift to us that first Christmas was not only very practical, it was highly relational. In fact, notice what the angel says to Joseph in Matthew chapter one. He says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God." with us. You ever wonder why Jesus entered this world as a baby? He didn't have to, right? I mean, he could have provided for our forgiveness by showing up as a fully grown man, going straight to the cross, sacrificing for our sins, being buried and resurrected. Why did he spend 33 years walking on this earth? Because see, God just didn't want to meet our need for forgiveness. He wanted to be in an authentic relationship with us. To be not only our savior, but our friend. You know, we were reading earlier from John's gospel that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt in the Greek literally means to set up camp. To move into the neighborhood. Why did God do that? Because he wanted us to know what he was like. To not have to try to think of God as just some invisible, nameless force in the cosmic universe so that we could see the living, breathing, flesh and blood example of what God was like, that God was love and he was grace and he was truth and he was justice and that he was good, even when the things in my life aren't good. And so if we're going to give gifts that reflect the relational nature of God's gift to us, then we need to give gifts that help us connect with and draw closer to the people in our lives. Like the dad who gave his young son a baseball glove for Christmas, but when the son opened up the glove, inside of it was a homemade coupon booklet. And every coupon was good for a one hour session of catch with dad. Or the mom who who gave her young daughter an easy bake oven. You guys remember those things? They're still available. And in my opinion, an easy bake oven is the greatest toy ever because it's a toy and it makes a cake. How do you beat that? It's amazing. But the mother gave this daughter an easy bake oven. You know why? because the child could only use it when mom was with her. It was something they could do together. Or I think about the adult son who gave his father, who was a coffee lover, a coffee connoisseur. He gave him a gift of a very expensive bag of coffee beans. I mean, the best of the best, and two coffee mugs. But when the father opened the gift, he's like, oh man, this is great, I, I wanted to try this coffee. But there was a piece of string Tape to the bag of coffee beans and the dad said this is a great gift son but why is there a string taped to it and the son said dad this coffee comes with a string attached you can only drink this coffee when you and I are together You see what I'm talking about? There's all kinds of ways to give relational gifts. I just want to encourage you to be creative. Don't get sucked into the season, to the commercialism. Think through how can this gift help us connect? For the last seven or eight years, Terry and I have dramatically changed how we do Christmas as a family. As our children became adults, we realized that every Christmas we were spending a good bit of money to give them gadgets and things that maybe lasted a year. And so we changed the narrative. We started taking the money that we spent on our kids and grandkids at Christmas And we started using that to rent a vacation house every year for the week between Christmas and New Year. And we go away on what has become known as the annual Lee Family Christmas Vacation. And we do this every year. And so on Christmas morning, they don't know where they're going. They know we're going on a trip. They don't know where we're going. And on Christmas morning, every one of our kids, they get a box. And in that box is a long sleeve t-shirt. And on the front of the t-shirt is a logo of a van and a Christmas, Lee family Christmas trip. But on the back, there's a list like a concert t-shirt. You know, it's all the places we've been over the last years. And then at the bottom is the place we're going this year. And so they get to open those shirts together and be surprised that we're going. And we pack up and we go. We spend days together. And I can't tell you over these last three years how incredibly thankful I am for that time together with our family. Give relational gifts. Do relational things. If you want to stress the giving this year, give gifts that meet practical needs. Give gifts that grow deeper relationships. And then number three, give personal gifts. Give personal gifts because God's gift to us that first Christmas was incredibly personal. And you see that in the angel's announcement to the shepherds from Luke chapter two. Notice the angel says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Yes, God's gift that first Christmas was for the whole world, but he picked it out personally just for you. If you had been the only person on the planet, Jesus still would have been born in a manger, lived a sinless life, died on a cross and been resurrected so that you could be rescued. It's a deeply personal gift. We've all experienced getting gifts that will, shall we say, a little less than personal. Gifts that are obvious that the person either bought them last minute or or didn't put any thought into it. It screams, this was a last-minute, on-the-way-here kind of gift. You ever gotten a gift like that? It reminds me of the episode of Friends years ago on the TV show Friends where I think it was Ross and, uh, I can't remember the other, Chandler, Ross and Chandler, they procrastinated buying Christmas gifts And by the time they realized it was Christmas Day and the only thing that was open was a gas station and they show up at the Christmas party and the gifts they give are things like wiper blades, car freshener, car scent, the uh, disposable toilet seat covers and, and cans of soda. It was obviously not a lot of thought went into it. And it's interesting, when you get those kind of gifts, like when you were a kid, and you got those weird gifts that didn't really match who you were, and your parents would say, well, remember, it's the thought that counts. My problem is what thought went into it, right? There wasn't a lot of thought behind it. But then on the other hand, we've all gotten those gifts where it is obvious that that person spent a lot of time and gave a lot of thought into that gift. And isn't that the gifts that are truly memorable? Aren't those the kind of gifts that we cherish forever? You know why that is? Because those gifts, it's not their value. It's not what they are. It's the fact that they reflect the love that that person has for us. Their willingness to take the time to give a gift that's truly personal. You know, the greatest gifts we'll give and receive will not be measured by the number at the bottom of the receipt. They'll be measured by the love they express. Every year, every year, I find myself at Christmas time, sitting in the couch, watching TV, and that stupid Lexus car commercial comes on. You know the one I'm talking about, guys? where the husband has given his wife a brand new Lexus for Christmas and is sitting in the driveway with a bow wrapped around it. And every time I see that commercial and this wife who's getting a brand new Lexus and I look over at the box of Terry's present under the tree and I think, oh, I stink at being a husband, right? But you know what? It's not that. It's not the amount. It is the thought, the love, the personal nature of that gift. It's what that gift represents. I heard the story of a missionary who was working in a village in Africa. And around the Christmas season, she sat down with the children in the village and was explaining to them why we give gifts at Christmas. That it was a reflection of God's gift of Jesus to us. When she came back to the village on Christmas Day, one of those young boys showed up and he handed her the most beautiful seashell she had ever seen. It was gorgeous. And she was so amazed she asked the little boy, where did you get this from? And he explained to her that that type of shell can only be found in this one certain part of the beach, this one little bay where these shells are available. And she knew where that was and she knew that it was miles from the village. She realized that this young boy had walked for hours, to pick up this shell. And she said to him, oh, you shouldn't have walked that far for a gift for me. And the young boy said, the long walk is part of the gift. And God's gift to us required the longest walk ever. That God walked from the beauty and perfection of heaven to step into the brokenness of our world. And as a result, we have been blessed in ways that we could never imagine. I love how John ends his Christmas story in verse 16. John says, because he, because Jesus who came to us was full of grace and truth from him, we all receive one gift after another. You wanna lower the stress of your Christmas shopping this year, then stress the giving by remembering God's gift to you and reflect that in the way you give to others. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm so thankful to be reminded today of the incredible gift of yourself. That even though we're not even to Thanksgiving, I'm so thankful that we can step out of what is going to be a chaotic season and remember what it's all about. To be reminded of the practical nature of your gift to us. It met our deepest need. Of your presence with us, your relationship with us, that we're not talking about following some religion or, or some set of mantra or established dogma. We're talking about a daily walk with you. I'm so thankful, Jesus, with all that we have faced, with all that we are facing, and with all the uncertainty that we face in our lives moving forward. We can know that we know that you are with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Even when the storm hits and overwhelms us and we can't feel you or see you and can't even hardly have hope in you, you are there. And so Jesus, I pray that as we experience that gift, we would celebrate it and reflect it in the gifts we give this year. We pray these things in your name.